Amen, amen, amen. Well, it is, uh, I'm, as, as you well know, I don't say this because I am a pastor, uh, but I, I believe everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs a pastor. And, and there's no, you know, certainly, I, I, I've been saying this for years, when you get hatched, matched, and dispatched, you need a pastor. You, you, need, you, need, you need a pastor. But, but it's good to have somebody that has authority in your life that can, that can help you, shape you, build you up, edify you, and just someone that can bring words of comfort with uh, what Virginia and I have been going through medically and just some other challenges that we've faced over the last couple of months. I was not, I didn't think the timing of my pastor being here this week was, I, we just didn't, we couldn't orchestrate it the way it was, but it was probably the best week that I have ever needed my pastor with me, and I'm so grateful that Pastor Dave and Pastor Donna are here. Pastor Dave and Donna started the Father's House in Vacaville, California 25 years ago with eight people uh, in their living room. Uh, it's now a church of 7,000 multi-campuses all over the, uh, the Bay Area of California, church plants uh, all over the world. He's a tremendous man of God, a dear brother, dear friend, someone I respect tremendously that has helped us even as a church. Many of you are sitting here experiencing what God is doing in New Arizona because of the investment that he has had in our life and their team and our team. So it's with great joy. And I just want you to stand to your feet. If you receive my pastor, Pastor Dave Patterson. Hey, come on, let's give some of that to Jesus. Give Jesus some praise today. So good to be with you. Would you stay on your feet for just a moment? As a church family, I want to pray over um, Pastor Tyrone of Virginia. They have been walking through some challenges, and uh, I believe it's always powerful. It's healthy when the church covers their, their pastor in prayer. Amen? And uh, God has so many great things for your church to really shape and change the spiritual climate of not just this city, but this region. And the uh, Lord has so much more for us than we can ask or think. And I'll be preaching a little bit out of Ephesians 3.20, break that verse down a little bit for you. But I think it'd be in order to uh, cover our, our leaders, our pastors. We need to stretch your hands out toward Pastor Tyrone. Father, right now we declare in Jesus' name that no weapon formed against us will prosper. God, you're going to raise Virginia and Tyrone up in complete 100% health. They got a long run ahead of them, a lot of laps, a lot of kingdom advancement to take place. So we pray for healing, strength, wisdom, every attack of the enemy. We'd be broken off them in the mighty name of Jesus. No weapon formed against them is going to prosper, and they're going to do the work and the will of God to completion in their lifetime in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Stay standing just a minute longer. I know, I know how I know how you Christians are. You just can't wait to sit down. But everybody look at me. I believe the Holy Spirit has the capacity and the desire to speak to everyone in this room personally. So I'm gonna preach the word, but as the word, the logos is coming out of my mouth, God has a Rhema, a right now, Holy Spirit inspired word for every one of you. And I think if you'll stick your spiritual antenna up and open your heart, that before you get out of here today. You're going to hear from God. I have faith for that. And uh, so I want to pray that over you, all right? Uh, if you're comfortable, just stick one hand in the air. Father, I pray for this precious group of people. Today, Lord, would you speak to every heart? Holy Spirit, this is your time. Jesus, this is your church. We're your children. 
And many people in this room, God, they're, they're at a crossroads, a decision, a fulcrum, a, uh, an inflection point in life. I, I pray that today you would clearly speak. We welcome you in to do your work. We're going to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? For your seat, to turn to one person and tell them if you can, you're better looking than I remembered. Just tell one person that. Come on. Now, if you're single and you're sitting by somebody you wish would go out with you, you're welcome. All right. Well, today I, I, I want to talk to you about you moving from whatever level, whatever zone, whatever place you are in your life to the next stage, to the next level. God has never called us as Christ followers to live a static, stagnant, kind of flatline life survival. You know, I come to church and, all right, confess Jesus as Lord. That's the most important decision you'll ever make. Get baptized in water and then just survive until Jesus comes back. That's not his plan. He takes us from faith to faith, from glory to glory. There's always more that God wants us to accomplish. But here's a problem with my life. Here's a problem with your life. We all have a tendency to get stuck, don't we? Now, literally, 2020 and 2021, we were stuck in our homes. We just, we actually got stuck, <laughs> especially if you're from California. I used to just pine and long, oh, God, take me to Arizona. <laughs> There's so much freer down there. By the way, a lot of the California Christians are moving to Arizona and Nashville and Coeur d'Alene and Idaho. Yeah, well, they're California Christians, so you got to get them resaved, okay? <laughs> Work on them, right? So I, too, have longed to flee the state, but someone has to stay and fight the hordes of hell, right? So, you know, where grace abounds or sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. But So we, we can relate to being stuck. You get stuck in your business. You get stuck in relationships. You get stuck in addiction. You get stuck many times in marriage, and, and just it seems to not go anywhere, and you're just right there. You get stuck at church life and ministry. And the enemy wants to keep us at a low level and our vision down, and not to be able to see what God has for us in the future. Now, if you think about the work of the enemy, and there is a very real uh, enemy of your soul. It's throughout the scriptures, and it says in John 10.10 that his job description is to steal, kill, and destroy. So he wants to steal your vision. He wants to destroy your hope of a better future, right? That's what he does. And if you look at some of the terminology found in the Bible around the works of a very real opponent, demonic forces working through Satan and his cohorts, there's words like um, he takes captive people, uh, people to do his will. He takes captives. He enchains and enslaves and imprisons. And so God comes, and if you look at what Jesus does, Jesus actually opens up the prison doors. He breaks chains off of people. He lets us go out into the wide open spaces of our future and see some things that he has for us. So today, God wants to free us up and, and give you some, some bigger vision for your life. And I want to talk to you about uh, having the right key to open the right door. Today, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the right keys. Now, I've discovered this, that keys are kind of a dying breed. We live now in a, in a generation where it's uh, keypads and fobs and swipe cards. So the old school keys are, are getting more and more eliminated. But I just want to check, how many of you in the room have a key ring with a significant amount of, more than 10 keys? Does anybody in the room have, okay, you're my people, okay, you're my people. And I'm going to need a, a big key ring in just a minute. 
So when, when I went into ministry, uh, I did worship for many years. I was a worship pastor, but the way I kind of got involved in full-time ministry, it was never a career choice for me, God just opening doors. But I used to lead worship on the weekend, and then during the week, I was the maintenance dude at a Christian middle school and Christian high school. It was a very big school. And my job was just to cruise around and well, pretty much unplug toilets all day and clean up messes. I wanted to have on my business card like a toilet plunger and a dove side by side. But anyway... So I had this, I had this raft of keys, right? Old school. You know, remember the chain that went down and you get enough keys on there, it would just start going down your leg, you know? And uh, so I, I had all these keys and they all represented rooms and areas that I could get into that the kids could not get into. And so the keys in your life, I want to talk about the significance of what God puts in your hand. But is there anybody in the room bold enough? You, you got a pretty healthy set of keys. Just get it out. And the, these people that had their hand up. Bro, can I see, can I see your keychain? Who's got a keychain? I got a guy coming to get it. I, I just want to use your keys. We might get those back to you depending on what kind of car key you have on there. Okay, let's check it out. Okay, the keys to the kingdom, right? Just throw them up here, man. Okay, thank you. Let's see what we're driving. Whoa, that is quite a, that's a lot of keys. They're little keys. They're like little lock keys. What are you, what are you locking up, man? Oh, this, this Maserati key, this is nice. Thank you. Each one of these keys represents a door, access, uh, probably resources that are related to the keys. And God has keys for your life, and I'll refer to these a few times. And I want to remind you that God's vision and version of your life is so much bigger than what you've seen. See, part of the Christian journey is starting to look at your life and future through the lens of God's perspective. Because our perspective gets tainted. We've been through heartbreaks and divorces and bankruptcy. I mean, if you've been on the planet enough, uh, long enough. And bankruptcies and sicknesses and disappointments and even the young folks in the room that have been through junior high and high school. You've seen your share of of broken hearts and things that you thought you were going to aspire to. And so our vision gets blurred. It gets skewed. We start looking at a low level. And then we come to the Lord. He says, hey, I want you to lift your vision higher. I want you to see a vision of your future, a preferable picture of your future that you haven't seen yet. And that's why Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. He says, I keep praying for you, church, that you would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation, the eyes of your heart being enlightened so you might comprehend the full call, the scope, the possibilities that God has for you. And so God wants to enlighten our hearts. The spirit of wisdom and revelation is this. The revelation, it simply means to lift a veil. So there's some great things that have been there all along. There's some amazing things for your city. There's some amazing things for this church. And when a spirit of revelation comes, you lift up the veil and you start to see a future that you couldn't see prior to that moment. So we need this spirit of wisdom and revelation. But here's a, a glimpse of, of what God thinks about your future. Ephesians 3, 20, 21 in the Amplified. Let's go to the word. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more. That should be in the bold behind me. Can we just say those two words? Super abundantly more. Then all we dare ask or imagine infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Come on. For the 60-year-olds, the 40-year-olds, the 20-year-olds, and the kids in kids' church. There it is right there. 
every generation, forever and ever. And everybody said, amen. Now, this is more than just a nice salutation. This is Paul signing off on his letter. Now, to him who is able to exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think, according to the working of his mighty power within you, God bless you, Paul, out. And it wasn't just see you later, shalom, God is good, and all the time he's good. You know, it was more than that. He was revealing the scope of God's plan. Now, have you ever read the Bible and you're like, okay, exceedingly abundantly above anything I could ask or imagine, infinitely beyond, and I just sometimes have to go time out. You ever read a verse and you're like, is that really true? Could this be possible that God wants to do infinitely beyond all I can ask or imagine? I don't know about you, but I got a pretty good imagination. I could imagine some good stuff I want God to do in my life, in my future, in my finances, with our church. Then why the gap? Why the gap between the promise and the fulfillment? I want to help you out with that. I'm going to read the same verse, but emphasize the key, one of the keys that you're going to need in your life. Here it is. Same verse. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or imagine, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, could you read the bold with me? Let's go. Let's read together. According to his power that is at work. According to, in other words, equivalent to, in direct proportion to the working of the Holy Spirit in your life, that's how you're going to move into the exceedingly abundantly more than you could ask or imagine. Let me put it this way. If God can work it in you, he'll give it to you. If he can get it in you, he'll work it through you. So the work starts on the inside. Thus, we have to change our thinking and start thinking thoughts of faith and expectation. And the Holy Spirit works in us. And as he works in us, he puts keys in our hand that begin to open doors and give us access into a future that we've only dreamed about. And here's what happens as you seek God. Your desires get refined. A lot of us play, pray carnal prayers. We pray prayers centered on our desires and our stuff, and God never promises to fulfill those desires. But here's what he said. If you ask anything according to his will, he will hear you. And if you know that he hears you, you can be confident that you will have the answer to the request that you present. So here's how it works. As we seek God, our desires change. We start to go after what he's going after. We long for what he longs for, for our city, for our life, our finances, our marriage, our kids. And as our desires change, then he will not withhold any good thing for those who walk in uprightness with him. He wants to give you guys some good stuff as long as he can work on the inside and the work of the Holy Spirit is taking place. He wants to give you some keys for your future. You know, there's this powerful verse in uh, Revelation 3, 7. It's talking about Jesus, and it says, To him who opens doors that no man can shut, and he shuts doors that no man can open. I love the strength of that verse. What does it mean that God shuts a door that nobody else can open? Let me tell you what that is. When you come to the cross of Jesus Christ, and by the blood of Jesus, you ask forgiveness of sin and shame. You know what he does? He shuts the door to the condemnation of your past. Who you used to be, the judgment that was against you, that door is shut. Nobody can crack that open. Nobody can crack open the door of my past except me. Let me say it this way. No one can keep you out of the perfect center of God's will for your life except you. 
Because through the finished work of the cross, he shuts the door of condemnation. He slams the door of shame. He shuts the door of regret. And he says, all things are brand new in him. All things have become, you're a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And what he shuts, nobody can open. And what he opens, the doors that he opens, nobody can shut. Does anybody want to walk through some doors that Jesus is opening? Now, I've heard people say, and I don't know if this is a country song or a quib or a quote, but you ever heard this one? Well, you know, when God closes the door, he opens the window. Anybody heard that? As if it was scripture. You ever hear people quote stuff as if they think it's in the Bible? Like, you know that verse, God helps those who help themselves? It's not the Bible. It's not a verse. Okay. So I'm like, poof. Okay. All right. Moving on. If God opens a window, don't jump out the window. I don't want to jump out a window. I want to walk through a door. A door means God's giving you access to this region of your life. It's a brand new day, and God opens doors that nobody else can shut. So I want to talk to you about these keys. Look at this in the paraphrased version. This is the message here, Matthew 16, 19, Jesus speaking. He said, and that's not all. You'll have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. In the New King James, verse 19 says it this way, words of Jesus, I will give you the keys. One Greek word today, didomai, it's in the continuous tense. What God says is, I'm going to give you a key. A little further down the road, I'm going to give you another key. And I've got another key for the next season of your life. And I will continue to give the keys to those who ask of me. These are the keys to the kingdom. Now, historically, we've understood this verse in the context of prayer. If you're a church person, a Bible person, you know, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose or declare unlawful on earth will be loosed in the heavenly realm. And we say those are the keys to the kingdom. But the actual Greek language, I will give you the keys, is a standalone statement. God says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom, period. Then, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And, and of course, it includes prayer. Your declaration is very powerful and important. But what are these keys that God is talking about? Let me give you a, a working definition here of the key based on the Greek word. It's a unique implement that opens a unique or specific door or secured area. Without the right key, the area, the room, or the supply remains unavailable or unattainable, okay? So it's going to open up something that's closed right now. These keys open up, up, obviously, some locks and some doors that I can't get through without. And this is what God wants to put in your hands. So I want to give you a few, uh, just a few thoughts about keys today. You're welcome to take some notes because it's been proven that note takers go to heaven faster and more frequently. Just kidding, maybe. So, number one thing about keys. Keys are personal. Keys are unique to your journey. In other words, the key that this lady needs for her life is probably not the same key where I'm at right now. The key that, that you need for the next season of your life. Different than these folks over here. Every key is personal. It's unique to your journey. What are you talking about, Dave? Well, for instance, some of you, a key that you need to turn is the key of forgiveness. You got hurt in your past. You got wounded. They wronged you. It was their fault. I get it. And you're still holding on. You think about it too much. It's on your mind. And you need to turn that key of complete and total forgiveness and release. And when you turn the key of forgiveness, a door opens up in front of you. For some of you, the key is generosity. 
You need to step over the line and say, God, the first and the best of my increase belongs to you. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give according to biblical principle. And when you step into consistent giving, it opens up a door. Others, it's, it's sacrificial. It's like God will call you to do some things that require a sacrifice. And at the front end of the sacrifice, it looks like loss. But listen, in God's economy, there is no way you can invest time, talent, passion into what he's building without re- receiving a return. Remember Jesus, these are the words of Jesus, not some prosperity preacher from the deep south. Oops, I got three people from the deep south that just got offended. You can turn the forgiveness key later. (laughs) Jesus said that there's no way you're going to give up houses, land, economic strength, anything without receiving 100-fold in this life. Those are the words of Jesus. So what looks like a sacrifice on the front end is actually a key that opens up a larger uh, venue for you to walk into in the future. For some of you, it's a relationship. If we got any single people in the room, don't raise your hand. If you're single, God has relationship for you. If you're married, God has other couples and people that he needs you to walk with. If you're in ministry, there's ministry relationship. And when you turn the key, God always moves in your life into the future through his body. That's why it's so important that we stay connected. And if you're on the stream, we love you today. But listen, there's certain things that only happen when you're face-to-face with the body of Christ. You're receiving prayer. You're strengthening one another. These are keys that, that God wants to give us that we can turn in our life. And maybe for some, it's, it's a relationship you need to get out of. I'll just drop that bomb there and move on. Number two on keys. Keys are usually hidden, and they require seeking God. It's not like just a buffet of keys. And Yes, I'll take two orders of the prosperity and another order of the good looks and whatever, whatever's on the buffet, the kingdom line. No, Keys require a pursuit. Let let me just talk to everybody in the room that's in a wilderness place in your life. You feel like you're in a barren place. The doors are shut. Don't waste the wilderness. You see, the wilderness is where God calls you into a deeper hunger for him. Remember Jesus, when he started his ministry, how did he start it? He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he pursued the Father for 40 days, did battle with the enemy, and he returned in the power of the Spirit. Don't waste the time where you're knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Don't don't grow weary in well-doing, Galatians 6, 9. For in due season you will reap if you do not give up. Keep pursuing. Keep going after God. You know, we love to quote, um, it's on a lot of bumper stickers and coffee mugs, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans of hope and a future. Well, if you go down two more verses, here's what he says. And you will seek me and you will search for me. And you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Hebrew word for seek and search, it's the same word. It means this, to create a well-worn path to the object of your searching. So there's something about running after God. And continuing to run after God. Because in the running, something happens. Your desires are refined. You lean in and begin to listen. And God gets you in a place where he can mold and shape your heart in the seeking. You know, I've been stuck a few times in life and ministry. And God gave me a key many years ago. And he's done this. 
he's been faithful. I could, I could probably go down a list and, and spend a lot of your time today just talking about keys that God has given me. I'll just share one. Our church was growing. We'd gone to multiple services and a couple locations and thousands of people showing up. And then I just got personally stuck. I just lost vision, momentum. The church kind of flatlined, and I was getting very frustrated. And as I was seeking the Lord, I couldn't figure out what to do next. It's like I'd led the church as far as I could. My personal growth and capacity seemed to be tapped. And like, I just need to turn this over to somebody else and, and just slide out of town quietly. And I'm seeking the Lord. And I remember very, very vividly, I was in uh, Tokyo doing a worship conference. And sometimes, by the way, this is for somebody, you got to get away from the trees to see the forest. Somebody just needs to take a long drive and quiet yourself and turn off all the music and the input and just wait on God and spend some time away from your problem. He wants to speak to you. So, so I'm in Tokyo, and, and Pastor, the Lord speaks to me in sentence form. Now, this has only happened a few times in my life. I hear impressions. I hear prophetic words. Sometimes I, I can flow in that gift. But a few times in my life, God has spoke to me in a sentence form that I can write down. So I'm in this desperation, stuck place, and I'm in Tokyo, and God says this, Dave, if the Father's house doesn't start taking responsibility for the broken, the impoverished, and the hungry people in your community, the church will become progressively irrelevant. That's word for word. And I'm writing it down, and when I got to progressively irrelevant, I went, oh, snap, this doesn't look good. It was a key, and I knew exactly. You ever had a vision a, God, a God-given vision or a prophetic word, and it could be brief, but something about the nature of God speaking to humanity, when he says two or three words, there's volumes. And so that's what happened in my spirit. I could see what God was doing. I came home. I met with our leaders. I said, we're going to start taking care of broken and hungry people in our city. We're going to get the church outside the walls. We're going to love on our city. We bought a Goodyear tire store and turned it into a benevolent center. We bought some vans, started filling them full of groceries. We started working with food banks and started feeding people, and something happened. We were serving in this area. We went through this door of benevolence and loving our city, and when we went through this door, that door opened, and that door opened, and that door opened, and suddenly the lid came off the church. I say this to the glory of God. We started out, this whole thing started out on a Thanksgiving. I had 28 frozen turkeys in my driveway. Me and Donna, remember that? We put frozen turkeys in cardboard boxes, and we went knocking on doors in an impoverished neighborhood and said, hey, we're from the Father's house. We just want to help you celebrate Thanksgiving. And from that key and that moment, I was just talking with Pastor Raymond, who oversees We Love Our City organization. This, this last month, we tipped over. We're feeding 100,000 people a month in five cities. And we have medical mobile clinics, and we have salon vans that go out, and there's just so much going on, after-school programs and adopter blocks. So I said, wait a minute, time out, Pastor Raymond. That's got to be evangelistically speaking, right? You know, we're inflated. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, that does not include adopt a block after-school feeding programs, and events. That's just people who've signed a form that are receiving groceries every month, over 100000 How did that happen? Turning a key. And through that key, listen, through that key, God has given us favor with the city. We had the previous mayor get saved on Easter Sunday morning sitting on the front row. The current mayor attends our church. Police chiefs come into the house of God. Why? Because when you turn a key, it's bigger than you think. 
When you walk through a God door, there's another door connected to it. And so in your desperation, if you are stuck today, run after God with all your heart. Seek him and keep seeking and don't stop and he will answer in Jesus' name. Amen? Number three, keys are sequential. The door you move through now positions you for the next. Now, now some of you are waiting for God to open the, the big door. Does anybody remember, uh, uh, what was it called? The Price is Right? I'm going old school. Remember that? There was the three doors at the end, the big, the big reveal, you know. And we're waiting for the big reveal. Let me tell you how God works. He works through small doors. What looks like an insignificant opportunity. And by the way, if he can trust you with little, he'll give you much. If you walk through the small door, there's a bigger door waiting on the other side. But you can't get to the big door until you walk through the small one. You know, when I, when I started in ministry, um, I shared a bit of my testimony, first service, but uh, I came from a broken home, a pastor's home, and uh, I was really bitter with church. By the time I got in my mid-teens, I was addicted to some drugs and alcohol, running far from God, a broken mess. But I had a musical gift in my life, and I was raised in the house, so I feared God in a unique way, but I was running far from him. So fast forward, 22 years of age, I get completely saved, set free, redeemed, and all I want to do is just be with Jesus and be in his house. It was so radical. I was so passionate for Jesus. Back, back in the day, we had, we had old school altar calls. I don't know if you know anything about altar calls, but I'm talking about when the preacher's up there preaching, hell is hot, and you're headed there, son. Not talking to you personally, Tyrone. Right? Hellfire and brimstone. Man, every Sunday, I'd be like, I don't want to go there. You know, I'd sprint down to the front. And, and week after week, till finally, a couple of months in, one of the pastors puts his arm around him and goes, Dave, you've been getting saved every Sunday for several months. You're good. You're, you're in the book. We got you. And it, it wasn't about me worried if I was saved or not. I just knew this. If I'll go down to the front where people are praying and seeking God and weeping, I'm going to get more. I'm going to meet with God. I want what God is doing. So this heart to just run after God. So anyway, course of time, they say, hey, Dave, we need someone to, and I, I had a musical thing going on and played some guitar and sang a bit. They say, hey, we need someone to lead uh, worship for the five and six-year-olds. I'm like, oh, I'm your guy. Five and six, that's my crowd right there, five and six-year-olds. I said, yeah, you're going to do it in a Yogi Bear costume. Does anybody remember Yogi and Boo Boo? Going old school, Yellowstone, go with me. Okay, you young kids, you know nothing about that. You're all Buzz Lightyear babies, whatever. So I, I'm in kids' church, and I got the Yogi suit on, right, big Yogi suit, and I'm looking out through the mouth, and I'm like, come on, kids, let's worship. This is the day, you know, and I'm, that was the start of my illustrious ministry career, right? Why do I tell you that? It was a door. God said, will you serve at this capacity? And then I'm going to open another door and another door. And if you keep walking through the open doors, one day you're going to look up and go, how did I get here? I'm in the middle of the exceedingly abundantly above. And listen, I'm a broken, drug-addicted, rebellious kid from a broken family in southern Oregon. And at this stage of my life, I am sitting at tables. In fact, I'm flying to Atlanta tomorrow, and I'm sitting at tables, and I'm asking this question, how did I get in this room? Look around. Look at these people that I'm with. Do they know who I am? I'm the least qualified person in the building. You know how I got there? I went through the next available door. Let Jesus have your yes. Give Jesus your yes. See what he does with your life. 
Number four, keys are seasonal. Keys are seasonal. You must, uh, or in other words, keys must be used during their Kairos window of opportunity. Now, you guys know this. This is a review for many. There's two Greek words for time in your New Testament, right? There's chronos and kairos. Chronos is where we get our word uh, chronology, chronological order. Chronos time is decades and years and months and weeks and right down to you're burning chronos right now. But within the chronos, there's kairos. Kairos time is a, a favorable time. It's an opportunity. It's a time within a time. It's when God steps into chronos and says, hey, I'm opening a door here, and you'll see this throughout Scripture, that God operates in chronos time. Let's think about the calling of the disciples. Jesus is walking along the shores of Galilee. He says, hey, leave your nets and follow me. You, bro, drop the net and follow me. They didn't have time to say, you know, Lord, let me just, let me pray about that for six months. Meditate on it and get together with my small group, and I'll get back with you in the fall. No. In fact, there was one guy that did that. He's known as the rich young ruler. Had the same invite, you never hear about him again. Because the call is a Kairos moment. And those that followed the Lord, they stepped into that moment. I mean, there's so many of these in the Word. Remember Esther? There's actually a whole book on her in your Bible. But she had this window of time, and she called the entire nation to a three-day fast. And Mordecai, her uncle, comes to her and says, Esther, who knows? Perhaps you've been called into the kingdom for such a time, a moment as this. God works in times and moments. And, and several verses in the Bible, it's the downside of people not responding to the invitation. Paul's preaching to a Roman uh, officer, a leader. His name was Felix. Felix was a high-ranking guy in the Roman government. And, and, he, and Paul's sharing his story. And at the end of his rant, Felix says, Paul, almost you persuaded me to become a Christ follower, a Christian, a person of the way. He said, but he sent him away. Get him out of here. And I'll call for you at a more convenient kairos. You never hear about Felix again. Let me read you one sad verse and then we'll pull the nose up. But this is, one of, I think, one of the sadder verses in the Bible from Jesus. Luke nineteen forty one says, As he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. Oh, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes because you did not recognize the kairos. It's not chronos. You didn't recognize the kairos of your visitation. God says, Israel, Israel, do you know God's plan all along? All right. And it, of course, it's the sovereignty of God. He's already always had every tribe and nation in mind. Book of Revelation, read about it. But his plan was to come to his own. And out of the Jewish people to show the rest of the world what covenant looked like. What a people serving Yahweh wholeheartedly look like. And through the blessing on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to draw all the nations. But Jesus himself, Messiah, comes to earth and he walks this planet for 33 years. And the very people group that he came to despised and rejected him. And it broke his heart. He walked out. You know that Jesus laid down his omniscience for 33 years. He laid down his omnipresence. He could only be one place at one time. Some people think that Jesus was able to foretell all the future and, and, and know everything. No, he laid that down willingly. And he became embodied in a capacity of a human with restrictions. So I believe 
that Jesus was brokenhearted and stunned. And when you go to Israel, you'll come down the Mount of Olives there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and there's the Kidron Valley, and you'll look up, and there's the eastern gates of the great city, and he's walking that path, and he looks up, and he starts weeping. Is Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you to myself and brought you under my wings, but you were not willing, and now the Kairos moment has passed you. Now, listen, guys, God loves you, and his mercy is everlasting. His anger lasts for a moment, but his loving kindness and compassion lasts for a lifetime. And you can miss God in some areas of your life and still be a believer you know, you, you may, if you've confessed Christ and you're following him, yeah, you're going to get into heaven, but here's what you'll forfeit. You can forfeit a faith life. You can forfeit stepping into some arenas and living a life at a higher capacity. And God is saying, hey, hey, don't miss your window. Don't miss your time. You know, I, I've dealt with a lot of marriages and done marriage counseling and things over the year. I'm not good at it, but as a pastor, you're just, you're available. Right? Most of my counseling is people tell me all their problems. I just look at them and go, stop it. Don't do that anymore. And so I'm not a good counselor. But here's what I realized. If your marriage is on the rocks, there's a window of time where you can humble yourself and ask for forgiveness. There's a window of time where you can cry out for counseling. There's a window of time when one spouse says, hey, I'm getting ready to write up these divorce papers. But it is, in fact, a Kairos window. If you're in addiction and you can't get out, there's a Kairos window when you can reach out and get in a recovery program. And everything in life has a Kairos on it, guys, is what I'm saying. And I feel it for this church. You know, God has been moving in your church the last few years here, obviously, and growing you and giving you vision for the future. And last night we were at the Legacy Banquet and, and uh, so many great leaders in the room and people that are investing in your future. God has a great future for this church. But don't get sloppy with your sovereignty, okay? Don't become that haphazard sovereignist that just says, well, que sera, sera, if it's meant to be. If God's going to do it, God's going to do it. No, God works in his sovereignty with your ability to agree with him. In his sovereignty, he's chosen to work with the will of man. So I know God has a high call for my life. He has a plan for my life. But it takes my involvement. It takes me, by faith, turning the keys, taking that next step of faith, not missing my window. And I'm telling you, I'm here today to tell you this. Some of you are in a window, and it's time to act in faith. Don't wait any longer. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. It's time to move in Jesus' name. Amen? I'm going to ask the band to come. And I'll, I'll close with this, that... Your keys and operating these keys at the right time, it's going to take an act of faith, right? You think about guys in the word like when Peter gets out of the boat or when Moses raises his staff over the Red Sea or they left their nets, whatever it might be, operating in the keys require an act of faith. And it's different for every one of us. This is not a one size fits all. This is not a one key fits all. So I want to ask you something personally and I want to pray this over you in just a moment. What is the key that you need to turn right now? What is it for your life? What is it for your business? What is it for your ministry, for your family? And I believe the Holy Spirit would be faithful to speak to you about that. That's just who he is. Listen, he, he doesn't want any of you to live stuck. Here's the problem with living stuck for too long. It turns into paralysis. Staying at the same place and heaviness and lack of vision the enemy's not going to stop there. 
He wants you paralyzed. You know, our church was growing, was thriving, and I got stuck several times in my journey. I've been stuck. And a lot of it's just a feeling of inadequacy and intimidation and feeling, you know, underprepared and not worthy to lead. And that's how the enemy talks to me. And he has a certain vocabulary that he uses for all of us. But I remember one time I got so stuck and the church was growing, multiple services expanding. And I was going through a deep valley of depression. And I, I believe I went through that because I had some things in my past of brokenness and abuse that I never dealt with, and it finally snuck up on me. And uh, so anyway, I, I got so stuck that it turned into a paralysis. And I remember I, I'd leave the church, it'd be like lunchtime, you know, I'm there during the middle of the week. And I'd get in my car, and I, I'd leave to go get some lunch, and I couldn't even decide where to go eat. And I would sit in my car in the parking lot for 30 minutes, paralyzed. Then I just go back inside. I'm telling you, the enemy will not stop. He will take more ground and more ground until you're incapacitated. And, and I say that as a wake-up call that this is not neutral ground we're fighting for in Yuma. This is not neutral ground, church for the city. There's a real adversary that wants to take you out of the game, take your gifting out of play. But there is a God in heaven who's called you and anointed you and said, now is your time. I'm calling you to rise up, to shake it off. And all it takes is a faint cry. There was a season in my life when all I had was a faint cry. I wasn't like manifest, yes, you know, open Red Sea. No, I was like a whisper. Like, God... I need help. Help me take the next step. I'd be in the green room coming to walk out and preach to a packed room. And I'd be like, God, just help me get through this next service. And here's what I found out about my Lord and Savior. He hears the faintest cry. It doesn't take a bunch of faith. It just takes enough faith to say, help, God, help, help me. I need you. Faith. He does all the heavy lifting. But that whisper, that cry, that moment of obedience is this massive key in the spirit that opens the door. And obviously, I, by God's grace, walked out of that season. And I've been through others, but I've learned something along the way. That every wall I hit, every locked door I hit, when I run to him and seek his face, he's got a fresh key. He says, son, here you go. And I believe God wants to pass those out today. I'd like that. I'm going to pray a couple different prayers, but if you would just bow your heads, and I want to pray for the believers, the Christ followers for a moment. I want to pray this over your life. I want you to think about it because this is, this is interactive, not me just preaching at you, but I want to ask you, what is the door that's shut in front of you right now? What is the door that's keeping you from the next stage, the next phase of influence and effectiveness? For some of you, it's your business. Others, it's your marriage. Some, it's ministry. Some, it's a personal issue, but there's a locked door in front of you. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit as I pray over you. Holy Spirit, what's my key? What is the key for me? Uh, Lord, just give me a vision of a, a housewife. This is for you, receive it. But I just, Lord, just gave me a, like a picture of a lady on her knees in her kitchen with her Bible open and she's praying really loud. She's crying out. And as she does, heaven opens over her home. For somebody here, that's a key today. 
He says it's time for you to cry out, intercede, go after it. But Father, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus for the keys of the Holy Spirit to be distributed in this room. Holy Spirit, would you activate your work in our hearts right now? I pray for the words of knowledge to flow in this room. I pray for prophetic thoughts to flow in these moments. I pray you'd speak to every heart and every life in this house right now. Release the keys of your kingdom. Release the keys. The right key at the right time. Holy Spirit, we we welcome you. We love you. With your heads bowed, maybe you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Dave, The door I need to walk through is the door of full surrender to Jesus. It says in Revelation 3.20 that Jesus stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. He says, if you'll open up, I'll come in and we'll sit down and have a meal. And there's people here probably on the stream today that you need to get things right with God and fully surrender to God. So with our heads bowed, I want to give you a very clear invitation. And if you're away from God or haven't fully committed your life, but the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, I want to give you this moment on this final Sunday in October 2022 say, Jesus, on that day, I surrendered all. And if that's you, this is just between you and the Lord, but I want to agree with you. Would you look up at me and, and wave your hand and say, Pastor Dave, that's me. Today's my day. I'm coming home. Don't be shy if that's you. Right here, right here, right here. God bless you. Hun, little girl right there. Awesome, God. He sees you and hears you over here, hon. Anybody else? So many today. Right here. God bless you. Back here. Gotcha. Today's your day. And back here, sir. Thank you. I I want you to know there's a lot of hands going up. God is not angry at you. He's in love with you. There's no condemnation. There's no shame. He's saying, son, I've been waiting. Daughter, I've been waiting. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing about the power of the name of Jesus. And then there's going to be prayer people and pastors up front. And if you want to come and receive prayer, If you're making this decision today, we want to help you get going on your journey of faith. The final thing we'll do is, before I have a stand, is I want everybody in the room to make a powerful declaration after me, every Christ follower, and join these that are making a decision today. Repeat this after me with some passion. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, today's my day, and I'm coming home. I thank you for the invitation, and I say yes. I ask you to forgive my sin. Make me your own. Fill me with your spirit. And by your grace, I will follow you all the days of my life until I see you face to face. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise today. Stand to your feet. Let's lift our voice and sing. God bless you guys.